Hello, and welcome to Repertory Screenings, episode 19. I'm your host, Em, and with me are my regular co-hosts, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hi. And we're here to talk about movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the only podcast we're doing this weekend. I have such a pure and beautiful energy that I had never captured before, never will capture again. Uh, it's good. I know, right? Yeah. Um, has anybody watched any movies? Destiny, you're the most likely candidate to have seen a film. What have you watched? Did I talk about, um, the rhythm section yet? No. Okay. So I went and saw the rhythm section. Uh, hold on, let me get some information about it, because I don't actually know anything about it. Uh, starring Blake Lively and Jude Law. Um, mm-hmm. directed by Reed Morano. Um, it was not very good. Even, and I hate saying that, because the director was born in the city that I, uh, live in. But, I just, uh... Didn't get a lot out of it. But anyway, it's about this woman who loses her entire family in this, uh, like, awful plane crash that turns out to be terrorism. And so she decides to get revenge on the people responsible. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. And Jude Law is the guy that trains her. And she starts out, she's like this drug addict. And... She has to like learn how to be tough and it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. It's not a very good movie. <laughs> um there are things I liked about it. Blake Lively is unrecognizable and she's very good. Jude Law is also very good in this film. Uh there's some lovely views of England and lovely views of oh, where else does she go in that film? She goes to Tangiers. I don't know, but it's like a good looking movie, but I just the plot was a mess. Uh but I think that's the most recent movie I've watched. Jackson. Uh I have not watched any movies in uh, apart from the one this week, but I do have a movie my mum saw and said something so ridiculous that has to be said on the podcast. <laughs> uh, oh, right, I watched this movie. Uh, I this is yes. the one I was even gonna talk about, but I forgot that I saw it. <laughs> uh, Yes, uh, my mum went to see Parasite. I have it downloaded. I'm going to watch it soon. Just haven't got to it uh, this week. Oh, yeah. um, in the in the wake of the uh, Oscar stuff, mm-hmm. so good. Uh, I mean, mum saw it. Um, without me, I was like, you know, you can, I've got it on the computer. You don't have to go to the cinema, but you know, she did, and uh, she went and she came back, and then she was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, you know what it reminded me of? It was kind of, you know, it was like all the discussion around Reservoir Dogs. I was like, what are you talking about? I, just, it's, it, I think it's kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like the Reservoir Dogs of the Noughties. Um, <laughs> I, I still don't know what that means. I've been I reflecting on it for a day. <laughs> I have to now watch this movie and report back on what the fuck she's talking about. Because I didn't go in, into it with detail. I was just a little bit, and she just couldn't expand on this point. She's like, you know, it was like all the discussion around like Reservoir Dogs at the time. I was like, no, I, was, I wasn't. I, I don't think I was alive. Reservoir Dogs was 92, right? Yeah, I was, that didn't exist. <laughs> and, <laughs> The only discussion around Reservoir Dogs that at least comes to mind is the violence of the film. It's a very, like, 90s discourse on violence. My assumption is that it is uh, 
both i haven't seen it this is my guess from the discussions and my mum that it is both violent and she doesn't like that and also not someone who uh like me is very tuned into finding dark comedies funny it is a serious oscar film and therefore must be taken as a serious film oh um, well it's definitely I, the blackest of black comedy uh i um yeah i saw parasite i watched it on monday right after the oscars i was like you know what might as well do this been sitting on it for a while um enjoyed it thought it was very funny thought it was pretty good um it, it's just surprising when a movie i like gets awards because that's not how i think of awards <laughs> uh, same yeah. i felt the same way when I, um, when I found out it got best picture i was like really i liked it though <laughs> i uh want to wrap back around and watch like memories of murder and snow piercer and that other one i can never remember the name of um mm-hmm. that was his I last film yeah um yeah. uh i think i don't think i liked it as much as mother which i know a couple of our friends who listen to this podcast really dislike that movie i think that's uh, his best movie generally um i think it's like i think it goes for it in a way that parasite i wish it went a little harder sometimes um but you know it was good it was a great time uh, yeah, no, sparing I, I, Jackson I, I, details. We'll talk about it next time because Jackson will probably yeah. see it by then. The movie I will have seen uh, it by then. The movie I watched was Alita: Battle Angel, which is oh shit, the yes. Robert Rodriguez directed, James Cameron produced adaptation of the famous manga about a robot girl who fights a lot. Um, that people really surprisingly went for when it came out last year. Uh, I finally got around to watching it. I thought it was okay. Um, I think it it goes. I think it's like a reasonably good adaptation of the source material that leans too hard into like the the like journey of the protagonist and defeating villains, and not enough into the like both comedy dystopia cyber like cyberpunk stuff and the excessive gore. Because the one thing about Alita or Battle Angel Alita the book is that it's a book about robots getting fucked up. Um, and there's there's one major scene in Alita Battle Angel in like right in the middle of the movie where it just lean it just does a thing straight out of the book and it rules um, and it's uh, incredible uh, but it takes so long to get there and then it meanders in a romance that they expand from the book that doesn't work as well in movie because every boy that a girl falls for in a Hollywood film ever is just the most boring nothing man they have no personality they come out of a factory I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know it was okay like i you know uh if you like a little battle angel might i recommend reading the manga it's good um but you know it was fine there's no speed racer that's for fucking sure it doesn't surprise me yeah uh robert riga is not as good of a director as the wakowskis less canceled but you know what are you gonna do yep Never not gonna be funny, like Cloud Atlas slipping in, like just under the wire, hair catching it. Yeah. Uh, God, can you imagine the discourse if that came out today? Just a nuclear bomb going off on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, Instead, we can all just like go, "That was a good movie." Anyway, don't talk about it. Yeah. Um. Okay. With that, I guess it's time to talk about our movie. Uh, this week. I never know what period of time. Anyway, we watched Black Klansman, which is uh, the movie directed by Spike Lee, written by uh, Charlie Wachtel, David Rabinowitz, Kevin Wilmot, and Spike Lee. This came out in 2018. Uh, it is a it is based on a true story about a uh, 
black cop named Ron Stallworth, who's in the Colorado Springs Police Department. And uh, he's, you know, trying to f- get up in his career despite all the racism of all the fucking cops around him. And accidentally ends up in communication with the, the Ku Klux Klan and uh, falls into signing up with them and ropes his partner, uh, whose name is uh, Detective Philip Flip Zimmerman, played by Adam Driver, uh, to poses him as a white guy. But he's going to talk to all the clan as a black man. And, uh, you know, like he's going to talk to them like he's white, but you know, I don't know why he just, the whole thing is predicated on him not giving the phone to Adam driver every time he talks yes. to them. And I don't understand it <laughs> at all. Uh, anyway, he gets roped into this weird double identity infiltrating the clan plan. Um, while he's like talking to David Duke on the phone and it just spirals out of control and, uh, turns into this big mess where they're trying to keep the clan, which is infighting with its, uh, politics from, uh, blowing up the black student union where uh detective stallworth's girlfriend uh works um and that and that's the movie that's what they do and then it ends with a you've seen what happened in charlottesville uh last year uh here's some footage of it it's it's very uncomfortable uh we live in a society um yes we do which is maybe selling it a little short but we'll talk about it i guess um Jackson, you'd seen this movie before. Do you want to talk yes, a bit about I this? Saw, I saw it at the time. So if you remember back to, this was 2018, I think. Um, 700 yeah. years ago. My brain says this must have been 2017, but no, 2018 really was <laughs> this long ago. God, Jesus. Uh, I saw it at that time. Uh, I saw it a bit late in cinema, like it was at the end of its run. Um, and it, it, its run was in the UK, so its run here was after its run in America. So it already had like a few months uh, of discourse about it, about it basically being like pro cop, you know, bad, awful movie. Um, just with like you know, because there's the Boots Riley post, which has some like points that are true uh, and interesting, but it got picked up with and run by a lot of film Twitter in a very cynical, shitty film Twitter way, where it was painted with a broad brush and the movie was cancelled and bad uh, before I'd even had a chance to see it. Uh, so when I went into it the first time, I I was just like surprised that oh no, this is a good movie because Spike Lee makes good movies, <laughs> um, and I, I loved it. I really loved it. I thought it was good. I thought that all of that was um, like you know there are criticisms to be made but uh i thought that its politics were mostly very good and interesting um and so coming back to it this time watching it as a movie that i know uh, i appreciate its politics for the most part uh i was more critical on a on a revisit like not not watching it from the like shadow of weird hostile discourse on the internet mm-hmm. um but overall i think the movie is uh pretty good i really like it um Spike Lee makes good films, <laughs> you know. That's really the baseline part of this. Uh, that's fair. I had not, I didn't see it at the time because of the discourse around it, and I'd yes. kind of fallen off. I watched all of like all up to a certain point of Spike Lee's films. Gosh, when I was doing movies in the early of last decade, like 2012, 2013 or whatever. And eventually, I uh, did not finish before I burnt out on film. Uh, we talked about this in a VoIP Life episode you can check out if you want to, uh, about our history of the movies. Um, but, um, I just kind of like faded out. And when this came out, I was like, well, there's discourse around it. And I kind of want to catch up with Spike Lee. And so I just didn't watch it. Um, and so I was glad to have the chance to see this again. Um, 
remembering that Spike Lee is uh, one of my favorite filmmakers, even when his movies can be uh, inconsistent. Uh, I think this movie is, you know, better than average in terms of his work. I think it's pretty good. I think it's very funny for the most part, uh, which counts for a lot. Um, If this was like entirely serious in a way that sometimes he can be, I think it would be insufferable, but thankfully it is not that, Um, which I think earns him the space to be preachy at the end. Whether that preachiness is put to good use with like the footage of the uh, Charlottesville you know, demonstrations uh, is a question we can answer a little later down the line. But, um, you know, I think, I think there's plenty of good, like character work here. The situation is a, an interesting one to adapt uh, that it's done in like a tense workplace, dark comedy, I think is funny and good um, because I think that's mostly what this movie is a lot of times. Um, Cause man, it's, it's really funny. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. Destiny, what do you feel about this? I liked it. <laughs> I don't really have a lot to say. Uh, I was kind of disappointed uh, in all the criticism that it is a pro-cop movie, because I disagree vehemently. Uh, I don't think it offers a lot of, like, alternatives in the face of, like, what Ron should be doing. Um, no, I don't know if that's the right way to word that, but, like, it doesn't really say, like, it, it wants to criticize his upbringing as somebody who, like, doesn't use the word pig and has always wanted to be a cop. And you don't know how earnest he's being in the beginning when he's getting interviewed and he's saying, like, you know, I was raised right. I, I'm not, I was in school during NOM and, I, you know, I wasn't, my dad was in the military, so I was raised right. Like, I don't know how much of that was supposed to be. Like, the actor kind of almost plays it comically, so I don't know if it's earnest or not. And I don't know how much of the movie is making fun of Ron for being square, or if it's just, like, the actor's performance and the way that I perceived it, because he's very dorky. Um, Yes. Yeah, like, almost to a cringy point where he's just very, very dorky. Uh, But I don't know how much of the movie... Like, since you don't know a lot about, like, his... You don't get a lot of his background aside from he's always wanted to be a police officer and he doesn't see the um, sort of he has he has cognitive dissonance when it comes to what the police do to the black student union students at the very beginning. I don't know. So like I, I like the movie overall, but just that character is kind of a puzzle. I think I would have to go and read the book and see sort of what he's like in depth to really get a feel for him. Cause I feel like the movie kind of veers between not taking him seriously and then also wanting you to take him seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like the, uh, they, they definitely are making fun of him for being square. Um, the character in the movie has, has very little connection to like the real life story. Like it's, it's barely based on a true story. Like the part where these two guys did this and teamed up to be one guy infiltrating the KKK is true, but basically everything else is completely invented. Um, so I don't, I don't see this as like a movie about the real guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I just it, didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not trying to like give insight into his character. It's kind of he's kind of just like an archetype, uh, and it's like setting him up against you know, so, like uh, 
Patrice, who is the like leader of the student union, will give him lectures that when he is like giving in another form to flip, right? Uh, That's true. As as they're like have different levels of investment in this because she's you know actually invested in uh you know, black activism and he's a cop, <laughs> uh, but then you know Ron Stallworth is like actually a black person and uh, despite being being Jewish, Flip is uh just content to pass and not think about it very much. And so, like, they're definitely setting up those two debates as, like, sliding scales of investment in how you live in the society, right? Like, uh, I feel like that's a lot of what the movie's about. I mean, I think there's no way to not see Stallworth as a character who is, like, you know, he got invested, but he's very new to this. Because, like, his sergeant uh, literally takes him aside at some point and explains, like, no, the KKK are just going to clean up their act. They're going to get politicians elected. And they're going to win not through burning crosses, but through candidates. (laughs) And he's like, I can't imagine that there'd be a a, a racist president. And his sergeant just stares (laughs) at him and is like, that's very naive of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that character is very funny. He's one of my favorite characters in the film because... He tells it like it is at the most surprising moments. <laughs> it's so funny because, yeah, they're definitely setting up Ron Stoloth as, like, uh, a stooge, right? To be in the 70s having hope in the systems when at every point in the movie it is setting up about how, you know, this is just the world. And then the has the most on-the-nose ending on that point. Yes. Uh, like, I, his, his, he achieves nothing. They achieve nothing. They do nothing. The cops cover it all up. Uh their only victory is to get a sick own in on David Duke that achieves nothing. Um, like, I think to su- like a lot of the criticism in the movie is suggesting that the cops are, like actually crusading against the KKK, which they don't think the movie portrays. That 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 doesn't happen in the film. It's like two guys, like a small team inside the cops, are prevented from doing anything. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, the movie ends with them, you know, stopping this assassination attempt. The KKK members blow themselves up. The, like, uh, the person who planted the bomb goes to jail and everyone's celebrating. And then they're, they're, you know, the police chief calls them in. And this guy has definitely been nebulously, like, impeding them the entire time. He's like, okay, congratulations. Uh, your team's dissolved because of budget cuts. Uh, burn all the evidence. This never happened. <laughs> yes. In the middle of, like... There's, like, a whole scene where he walks into the police station and everyone's, like, clapping for him and he's doing, like, cool, like, 70s kung fu moves and uh, with all of his new friends because he's the hero of the station. It's just, like, veers into, like, bad lieutenant parody, like, success fantasy in in this genre, right? Where the cop does the good thing and everything works out. Now they're the city's hero. And uh, this movie then going one step further and just, like, popping that balloon after it exists is very funny to me. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree. I think it definitely, like, uh, as much as it is a movie about real cops, it's also, like, a movie about, like, cop movies, right? Like, the, there's an entire discussion they have about uh, black exploitation and, cop, like, cop black exploitation movies on that when they're walking along the river, right? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite Like, scenes. it is deeply invested in what it means to... Because en- Spike Lee clearly enjoys this genre a lot, and the movie is wants you to question what it means to enjoy this genre a lot when, it you know, you understand the world. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, but yeah, no, movie movie's very good. Yeah. Um, the part the parts where he calls David Duke are some of the wildest shit in the world. Uh, yes! David Duke, played by Topher Grace, just doing Topher Grace, but with a mustache, is <laughs> like the most like uh, jarring thing to exist. 
It's so surreal. It, extre- it extremely has a Michael Sarah in Twin Peaks The Return energy where you're like, what is he doing here? What? How did this happen? <laughs> yeah, and then knowing what you know about David Duke m- makes everything about those scenes kind of frustrating. Mm-hmm. That, like, Ron doesn't believe this guy almost becomes president and, like... Oh, it, it 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 really frustrates. Yeah, it does. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's also like all of the uh, clan members are like buffoons, even when they're like being dangerous. They're ridiculous characters, um, and it's it's weird because like you know it opens with uh, Alec Baldwin doing like a PSA about like black people that's like super racist but he can't remember the lines he's just flubbing like flop sweating the entire time um to this david duke uh version that is literally just someone to clown on um but it's weird because like you know this is a real situation like the 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 taking people down a notch like oh we're gonna give it to those white supremacists or whatever uh i feel like kind of falters because the ending is like veers so directly into yeah no and then these people ran a car into a woman and killed her right like well they still exist that is like the most upsetting i think in the film is harry belafonte talking about his friend getting lynched essentially and hiding as this is happening. And um, in between shots of the Klansmen getting initiated into the Mm -hmm. group by David Duke. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like all this takedown of them and portraying them as goofy means nothing in the face of all these black people who were like murdered. And then their murder the scenes of their murders very well known that you know sold as postcards curios um mm-hmm. and it's just like the the comedy is not enough and i and i think the film is very knowingly doing this it's just mm. it's it really hurts your stomach yes um yeah i agree i think that like it definitely leans in to the idea the you know look at all these ridiculous racist rednecks right like it's doing that mm-hmm. but it, it also um it, it like that is the only victory that the characters get right and it changes not like it doesn't reduce no one changes the amount of power david duke has by the end exactly of like they're still winning like the, the fact that the movie ends with the the literal president quoting david duke and the literal david duke quoting the president it shows that, like, no, the Black Klansman project here didn't actually take anything down. This didn't really... Nothing was done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I-, I think I tend to be more uh, sympathetic to the, uh, like, you know, the- those kind of... The ridiculous portrayal of the, the Klansman in-, in this movie, specifically because it, like, understands that as this empty catharsis that doesn't change anything like they get one moment where david duke feels kind of awkward alone in his office and that's it that's the only thing that happens to him uh and i think at least for me i took that as like uh 
that, that's what I took from that moment, right? Like, I, I don't know what, it doesn't matter what was intended, I guess. But, that's, yeah. um, <laughs> but like, if that's the case, then what is the movie's central thesis here? Like, what is it advocating for? Because it feels like it's reaching for something at the end here uh, that is more than just, the, and they're still doing it to this very day. I think it's just making sure that you're aware that this is an old problem that we still need to do something about. And I know that's kind of not, it's not the strongest. Yeah. So if you were going to see a Spike Lee movie about the clan in the seventies, do you not know? Like, I feel like people know, like it, it was 2018. It wasn't like 30 years ago where people didn't know people know. So, I feel like my uh, read of this movie's central thesis, uh, at least one reading I have, uh, which I I don't, you know, I don't know how common this is, but is that a movie cannot fix racism, right? Like, sure. this is a movie yeah. plot. Uh, but also... Like, the plot is... Del- oh, you go. I mean, like, yes, but this is Spike Lee talking about the Klan and policing in America. Like, so it, it has to be... Like, whatever it's saying, even if that's nothing, it's saying something deliberately, right? Like, choices are being made to say mm. something. Um, I mean, I took the ending as like an advocacy for actual protests and not fucking joining the cop. Like the people who are being glorified at the end of the movie are people like Patrice, even if her character in the like dialogue of the film is a bit given the short shrift. That's mm-hmm. fair. Uh, That's a good point. So like, it's it's very strange because they, I don't think there's any way to read the like montage of of clips at the end as anything other than a vindication of every single thing she says in the movie. But then in the movie herself, like itself, her character just kind of latches on to Ron f- to be there for the debates and the scenes. There's no reason she should actually like like him or forgive him or care about him in any way. Um, yeah, you agree with everything scenes. she's saying, and he, the fact that she like stays with him as long as she does is almost frustrating. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is like this gets into the Boots Riley stuff. Do you, just, uh, do you want yes. me to just summarize this off of Wikipedia yeah. here? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a whole yes. It's a very long essay that he. Yes, yeah, so I'm just gonna. I'm like just gonna. Pick, I'm just gonna pick the key parts that Wikipedia talks yes. about because I'm not going into. I, I never at the actually read it. So. Long list. Of, he he basically did the like notes thing on Twitter, which you can find on the internet, like archive, if you want to go dig for it. But anyway, uh, Boots Riley. He made Sorry to Bother You, which is another movie about you know. Uh, being black in America, uh, that came out in 2018. And, uh, he, you know, he likes Lee. Every, you know, Lee is very inf- influential and he praised the film. But then, uh, his, the quotes here is, uh, he criticizes attempts to, quote, make a cop the protagonist in the fight against racist oppression, end quote. Uh, when black Americans face structural racism, quote, from the police on a day to day basis. And quote, in particular, Riley alleged the film glossed over Stalwart's time spent in Cointel Pro to sabotage a black radical organization and objected the film's choice to portray Stalwart's partners Jewish and fictionalize a bombing to make the police seem like heroes. Uh, Lee responded in an interview with the Times, saying that while his films, uh, quote, have been very critical of the police, I'm never going to say that all police are corrupt, that all police hate people of color. I'm putting his foot right into it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's true, though. Like... But it doesn't, like, if an individual police officer is not racist, they are still part of a racist structure, right? Like, there's no yes. such thing as good police no, because the police like, are inherently these, evil. These things exist, though. Like, I have family that are police of color, and it's weird. Like, it's weird. And the fact that there's 
people that actively, yeah, he worked in Cointelpro. Like, that's a real thing that people have to kind of reckon with. And I don't know. I, there's no, I don't think there's an answer. Well, I mean, that's just the thing. Like, if, if, if Spike Lee isn't going to even suggest an answer, then what is, like, what's the time spent for? Mm. I don't think the answer is film. I don't, I think it's boots on the ground, just like kind of a, I, go on. I, I think that, yeah, I think that he does suggest an answer. It's not like a complicated one, but it is just protest and activism against this, which isn't like an interesting or unique, like, yeah. unique one that you need to sit and watch uh like watch a movie to understand but i do think that if there is a thesis of the movie it is that you have to be in the streets to meet them sure but the the movie literally like before it gets to the modern day stuff the movie literally ends with stalworth and patrice sitting at the table like about to actually have the argument about Mm -hmm. is it possible to be a black man and a police officer and make that a positive thing and before they can even get into like the thesis that that like an argument about why that might be good they are interrupted by a cross burning and the movie segues to the modern footage like there's nothing there like there's no argument being put forward i think the argument is debate all you want there's still burning crosses on the lawn yeah there's two ways you can like take that right like i definitely and this is more a reflection of my own politics than the movie uh like read the the answer as a like slam in the door that is definitely a no (laughs) to me um but i do think it's you know i don't disagree people who are disappointed and read it as like a this argument is small in the face of the clan right like there's another that is definitely another way to read uh, that, that that final scene before the montage yeah i mean um, and like the movie ends with them both picking up guns and like approaching the window as they see the cross burning like across the way and like a you know, like a metaphorical scene or whatever but literally yeah. 10 minutes before that he almost gets shot by police because they just see a black man right like they don't yes. think he's an undercover cop they almost right. kill him the yeah. part where the police have actively pursued black activists who try to arm themselves and speak up and it's represented in this movie like he starts out meeting patrice because he infiltrates them bringing in uh Kwame Ture to talk about you know the black panthers in just a town hall meeting, right? They're, they're not like even doing anything. He's just giving a speech, and yet the police infiltrate it and are shook and chase him out of town. Um, like the, the the gulf is there. Yes. Um, and I th- I think that the end of the movie like does a decent job of portraying a like the complete institutional like inability for anything good to happen within the police. Ron just never sees it himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I don't think the movie is saying like you got to do it from the inside. I really think the movie tears down that argument i just don't think it goes hard enough against it like i feel like because it ends on such a weird nebulous note like ron still still has his belief after all of this that he can do it he can be the cop who can fix things and he's the hero of the like the movie portrays him as the the protagonist and the hero but it also underhands that by showing the real life footage and none of that had to do with cops you know what i mean like it wasn't cops it was antifa it was people it was regular people sure but it also doesn't like by showing the charlottesville footage which is protesters against white supremacists it doesn't talk about how the cops let those people into town but yeah the cops the cops protected the the fascist protesters that's a very good point yeah you could have made some different editing choices in that final montage to show some other narratives Mm -hmm. no you're not wrong i just yeah 
I don't know. I think it's a it's a messy thing, but I think it's because it it literally is just really messy. I don't necessarily agree with Boots Riley, but I don't think that. Uh, I think I think I agree with. I went in here. I went in this movie and I watched it. I was like, I don't think I agree with Boots. I think I agree with him more than I don't. Thinking about it, I, I mean, I think I agree with Boots Riley. I think that it got picked up. Those those takes got picked up in a very ungenerous way across yes. Like, the internet. And yes, yes, yes. I spread. think you have but to the see cool- the. Go on, say. Oh, sorry. Uh, the 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 core point of like factually the things that happened and the thing that this man did were often reprehensible, and the movie treats them as kind of like a vague inspiration for a clearly fictional story. Like, you know, the idea of the the first it's the first black cop in town. He's gone to the uh, he's gone to the meeting, and now he's realizing he cares about all these things as well. Uh, is like ludicrous, and he's and I would it boots right is right to be mad. Like that wasn't a spare of the moment thing it was a quintal pro op quintal pro quintal pro is insanely evil yeah uh, so i think that's right to be pointed out um, mm-hmm. yeah and like his ability to infiltrate the clan came because he was willing to go and infiltrate you know the the black organization in town right yeah like his selling point is i can speak jive and the king's english and it's like yeah and his his willingness to sell out, like you know, what everyone in town views as his people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- there's a um, there's a scene we're not mentioning, which I think is probably the worst scene in the whole movie. Um, that comes in the middle of the ending stuff that is uh, mostly pretty good. Um, when like you know all the stuff with the cops falls down, which is the part where they all come together, including Patrice, to own and arrest the sick racist cop, and he gets owned and wheeled out because he sucks so much. And they're clearly like a racist police chief comes in and like high fives them as they're all drinking beer in the booth. Yeah, it's a lot. It's fucking a lot. And then the next scene, he shuts them down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely saw that as like part of that, like I talked about, like the bad lieutenant fantasy of police work where like you do the thing and suddenly you get get, uh, the girl, you get all the praise, you get the promotion and you continue to be the agent of change for good. uh, I think the part where the chief is involved in that scene is weird. Yeah, Me I mean, too, I think that's so what obviously... I think that's what imbues it with unreality, personally. But the movie also doesn't really tip its hand that that's what it's doing, right? So, uh, yeah, it, it could it could go it could stand to be a bit weirder. Yeah, you were saying, Dustin, crank up. Yeah, I don't even remember. Okay, oh, sorry, I feel bad now. It's okay. Um, but um, you know, the thematic and. Th- uh, this is like a problem with a like a lot of Spike Lee movies. I feel like, uh, like he can tend towards being very like we're going to talk to the audience about a, a, an issue today. Uh, you can call it preach. You can call it like direct address or whatever. Um, and oftentimes that stuff can seem a little corny. Um, I personally give him a lot of leeway because I like his movies a lot. I think, uh, you know, he's got three decades of making incredible cinema. You're allowed to be a little corny sometimes. Um, but I understand and he's if people always are not. Been corny yeah, too. I understand if people are yes. not like aligned to it, right? Because like, yeah. in many ways, he's still making '90s independent cinema, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, but Spike Lee is not, you know, '90s Spike Lee anymore. He is an older man who is rich and has a certain cultural cachet, and is still making kind of the same work uh, in a radically different time. Absolutely. Like he made this after making NBA Two K Sixteen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he also really like to point out the world Spike Lee lives in now. I don't know. I feel like we also have to put into context like he lost Prince, he lost his friend Prince. He uh <laughs> you know, 
I think his heart is perpetually broken about America, and I don't know if he knows what he's trying to say sometimes. I can be messy. I mean, I'm saying this in defensively. I like most of his movies. Mm -hmm. I think he's generally a very good director, one of my favorites. Uh, The corniness has his charm. Uh, I do think that, like, you know this movie coming in 2018 does land it in a more like direct action time and like a more stratified time where like, you know, Spike Lee makes movies that are from a different era that like socially. Uh, I also think, yeah, there's a lot of, Oh, go on. I I just think, I think there are plenty of people who would not have been rubbed wrong the wrong way, like 10 years ago that are not, are just not here for this kind of story anymore. Right. I don't know. I think I'd feel more that way if there were other directors doing something like this. I don't know. Just because well, sure. he, he's like the only one, so it's hard to... Yeah, but he's also the only one because he you know, he made it 30 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have the Boots Rallies of the world making their movies, but like, you know, they don't get picked up. Like, Boots Rallies yeah. are out here winning Oscars. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And then... I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I'm all over the place, but mm. I just, I did sincerely like this movie. And, Me too. And I'm not, yes. it, all of this, all of this is to say, I still think the movie is really good. Like the part where it's like a ridiculous comedy about these cops is, uh, amazing. Like the end where they're at the clan meeting and Star Wars just there in like his denim outfit and sunglasses is just incredible the entire time. Yeah. It's he has amazing. to defend Duke and he obviously is pretty pissed about it and that that all all that stuff works very well they put isaiah whitlock jr in the movie just to go she <laughs> yes <laughs> that is like in the, the very movie. beginning of the film it's <laughs> yes. so good uh thank you for that personally yes. yeah. yeah yeah that really just makes it worth it in itself <laughs> I think generally it should be seen to be a compliment to Spike Lee and his career. Uh, the you know he's making this movie like in the present day that is good that people generally like, but also you know he is old and a, there is a generation of people who respect him, but are also like mad at him. Yeah, you know this is like we've got another podcast where Tom and I is all always going, you should all hate me <laughs> to yes. his entire audience. If, if, I, if, if you are like, uh, like a progressive creator and make it to your sixties and seventies without being hated by the people you inspired, you fucked up is my general opinion. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, the, it got lost in a lot of the, um, just the general badness of how things spiral in film Twitter, but the actual original Boots Ready post that kicked all this stuff off is like is definitely like I love Spike Lee, right? Like it's not a yeah. we need to cancel this guy thing. Uh it is um you know uh, just a reality of what happens when you've been making the same movie for thirty years and it is probably a testament to how good he is that uh, he has been left behind. Yeah. And also, ultimately like, a good thing. Casting, like, you know, Boots Riley versus Spike Lee is like, the you have to pick a side is like yes. very much like uh, black filmmakers can represent each other and also criticize each other. And we need to allow yes, that to yes. exist that, and not. I agree. That, That's kind that of what I was trying, trying to, to yes. say. <laughs> but you've, you've done it so much better yeah no but like you for saying that (laughs) i i can say oh i disagree with him but it's only on the face of i don't think the film is saying well cops are the good guys i don't think the film's saying that at all especially since you're already so grossed out by ron betraying the black student union from the very Mm get-go 
and just like placating all these like shitty cops around him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I enjoyed watching it. Like I have my personal objections to it, but I, you know, uh, I'm, I, I dislike the police. I think they should be abolished. Spike Lee clearly doesn't believe that. I still think his films have value. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, more oh, like, oh, I was just going to go back to like actual scenes. Yeah. Um, bringing it back to just like, okay, so there's a scene where they all talk about birth of a nation. Mm-hmm. And then the clansmen are all watching it. Do you think the clan actually watch? Do they do that? Is that a thing? Where they all sit around and watch Birth of a Nation and like cheer? Uh, this might be like quell problematic. I don't know. Uh, but I feel like that's meant to be a scene where like they watch it and like hoot and holler like the stereotype of black audiences watching films. I think that's meant to be intentional. Oh, hmm. I didn't even think about that. Because, like, his wife, uh, Felix, like, the KKK guy's, guy's wife, is, like, literally, like, shouting at the screen. Like, it, like, it's like someone yelling at a horror movie not to go in there, right? Yeah. No, you're right. I just didn't read it that way. Uh, the thing I read was there's a scene where, in Birth of a Nation, where the women are trying to get away from these black guys, and she yells out, the ingenuity of white women. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very, like, pointed criticism of yes. white women. And I thought that was very good. I mean, <laughs> the movie is littered with, like, phrases from, like, you know, uh, neoliberal and alt-right talking points from the last couple years uh, throughout. Like, they will just, like, they drop in a Make America Great Again and, like, and other stuff like that, America First. Things that existed at the time, but have also been readopted and, like, have a more powerful meaning. So, yeah, wouldn't think... surprise me if Spike Lee has no time for lean-in feminism, right? I also think that the film, the, like, actual audience he has in mind is, like, the future young person who doesn't really have context for the relationship of black people with the police. And who's picking this up and learning about it for the first time. Because a lot of the, like, heavy-handedness, I feel like, is not directed at you and I, people who remember all of these things and know about the history of these things. Like, I feel like if you're watching it and you know about Birth of a Nation and you know what Woodrow Wilson said, you're not. it's not going to hit you as hard as if you're learning that all for the first time. And I think that's the actual audience of this film. I just don't think, like, a young audience is going to Spike Lee at all, period. It doesn't matter what the movie is. Well, I hope that's not true. Just <laughs> for their sake. Because I don't think there's no... There's no... I guess, and that's what I keep saying, is, like, there's no one making sure that that history is recorded for them filmically. Like, I think that's really important. Unless you're actually a film student, it's not coming to you. Yeah. But I think if you ask, like, a teenager who Spike Lee is, they might know he's a director and that that's the, you're that's lucky it. if you get that. Yeah. But I just, I, I hope that, you know, young people can pick it up at some point without all the baggage that we bring to it. And yeah, but I, like, I also hope that people like it. people exist that can speak to young people that are not 60 year old men. Right. Like, well, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like making those connections between Trump and David Duke might've, might be something that people didn't know about and like knowing all the stuff about birth of a nation. I don't know. Never mind. No, I mean, I think it's, I think that's valid. 
I think that who like who this movie is for is like a thing that I've definitely thought a lot about, and I don't have a good answer. So yeah, no, I think it's for people that haven't been born yet. I uh, I guess if you had to ask me what the ideal audience for this film would probably be like um someone who wants to be a cop because they've watched a lot of cop shows which was like <laughs> me at one one point right yeah like, we, no that's a like, good point I think from that angle a lot of the stuff in the film works like as a complication of uh like the idea of a cop movie or you know cop shows they're all kind of it's just as a genre I don't, I don't mean just in cinema um and the way it like that bubble bursts at the end and is all shown to fall apart, I think does work very well and is kind of the strongest part of the movie. Because like Spike Lee's really good at making cop movies. This is good. Inside Man's good. Those are the two I've seen. I don't know if he's made any others, but they're fucking great. Um, and so like, and and the like in this movie, all the cop stuff is like better in how it's made than like the arguments between uh, Ron and Patrice. Um, like th- those scenes just feel very like you know, because Patrice's character isn't given enough like weight in their relationship, they are just two talking points going back at each other. Whereas the cop stuff has like a lot uh, more dynamic humor and back and forth and like good scenes. Um, and so I think that like that would be that's probably my best reading uh, of the movie in the context it works best is in that like meta sense. Um, because I do agree that no one's going to watch this and like, you know, but I don't think there's any movie that anyone would watch and learn that, um, you know, the cops are bad or that like movies don't change people's minds. They, that's not what art is for. Uh, and I don't, um, I don't know. I, I think, think that's the like hard saying burden. the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just mean, I, I don't think like, I don't think we should be asking a movie to like, speak to something about the world that people don't already know I, but that also i don't want art to just you know because feed the world back to them a movie so, literally uh, brought back the clan like and movies yeah. literally make well, like true. you know like perception of people and and the, the that movie movies shape the way we perceive other races and movies like i think movies actually are b- a bigger deal than <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't mean that like that's not how culture works, but I do think that, like putting that on the weight of like who's is someone going to watch this and then have their minds changed about the world? Sometimes like, we, um, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like Sorry. if you're a, if you're a filmmaker, I think there are better thi- like you know there aren't many things better to aspire to than I'm going to make a movie that is going to like fundamentally change someone's mind, right? Yes, that's true, but that's like a that's a, that's a very few number of movies for me that have done that. Sure, it has but happened. That, that, does that like I don't think that precludes people from trying. No, but it do, it does make me feel a bit bad saying it doesn't it doesn't achieve that. So therefore, um, oh okay, yeah, no, I didn't mean. I mean, I don't think throat. I don't think our metric of like is a yeah. movie good bad should be is it a worthwhile but, cultural artifact like independent of anything else like you can appraise that. But there's so many other aspects, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we all enjoyed watching the movie. Like, yeah. this is yeah. Um, and I think like if it if this movie does do that for people, then that's good. I don't see necessarily see the path there personally, but I do not represent all experience, right? Like no, neither yeah. none of us do here. So I, I think just, that's reasonable to like al- allow the hope for it. I just think it sure. would be very like I I'm just not going to I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like essentially, I'll say it as best I can. 
is I think if a certain type of young person sees this movie and can make those connections, it's good for them to see that this is an old, old, old problem that's been, like, exacerbated by movies as much as it's been, you know, um, sort of shit on by movies. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely, because every history book I ever read, I'm like, oh, nothing has changed. It's all the same. Like, that could be true for people with movies also. And, like, at some point, there are going to be people that don't know what it was like to live under Trump who need to have that ridiculous scene where the guy says America first, and I think you hear a hammer? Mm -hmm. Uh, I also think, like, you know, when they get Harry Belafonte in to talk about the Jesse Washington uh, lynching, like... This is about the idea of generational knowledge, right? You have to have yes. people who will instill a younger generation with the knowledge that know these battles have been fought and they have been lost and won uh, by others who have come before you, many of whom are no longer here to tell that story, right? Yeah, and that's what and I, I mean think, when I say the yeah. film is not, it's for people who haven't been born yet. Yeah, I think I think you've uh, definitely won me over to your argument here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um. Yeah. Um, any other final thoughts before we get into our emails? No, no, no. Uh, oh, I'm sure we've got a couple of email questions that I'll have some prompts. So. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Destiny? No, I, I, uh, I. There's no way to like wrap up discussion about this movie into a neat little bow. Like there no. just isn't. Like I, we could go on for hours. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. If you would like to send emails, you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, they can be about the movie recovering any given podcast episode. They can be about movies in general. We'll take questions about anything. I would love random questions. We don't get them very often. Um, so our first uh, email is from Luke. Uh, this one is specifically about the ending and using footage from the Charlottesville rally. Uh, I'm born and raised in Charlottesville, uh, and the event remains extremely shocking uh, for our entire community, and seeing footage is still really tough. Uh, the experience of having video from that event suddenly pop up at the end of the film. Uh, when we were sitting in the theater a quarter mile from where the car attack happened, it was one of the most difficult cinematic experiences I've ever had. Uh, but I can't help but feel like it exploited the trauma of the community for the emotional payoff. I understand the point of using it to tie in, uh, but there must be a way to do it in a more respectful manner. Uh, that said, the pure shock value of the sequence is part of what makes it so effective. So I've been of two minds about it since I saw the movie and can't really decide whether or not it was a good choice. I, I think... literally feel this exact same way because when it started, I was like, no, he can't do this. He can't do this. Like, this is really hard. And then the other part of me was like, well, I mean, if he didn't, would we really get it? Would we really? <laughs> so I, I'm really glad someone wrote in who lived there because I felt the exact same way. I feel like arguing about the respectfulness of someone who is like sacrificed literally for like the culture war. Like if you bring them up, you need to do it in the right way is like antithetical to the legacy of their death in general. Right? Like they were thrown away because these people don't regard life as an important thing. Yeah. And remembering those people and bringing them up, even when it isn't delicate and even when it is uncomfortable is like part of the memory of that sort of, of of these struggles. Right. Yep. Like mm-hmm. we got, we had to see those postcards. We had to see the burned remains of. I'm getting emotional, of <laughs> um, those people. Uh, I think it, you know, it's definitely effective. I, 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 I guess I agree with you, Em. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, next question, a little less uh, harrowing. Uh, we have an email from Matt here. Uh, I'll do these in reverse orders. Blind spotting came out around the same time as Black Klansman and seemed to hit on a lot of the notes and feelings I hear people talk about in regards to Spike Lee movies. Have you seen it? And would you agree? I don't even know what this movie is. That's yeah, I'm I was just about to say, what is it? Look it up, somebody. What is blind spotting? Blind spotting is. Well, going back just to the last series, can I say something? Yes, 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 of course. Oh, just, I think, like, the reason it doesn't need to be delicate is because you have to remember it. And if remembering it, uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem fair to say, hey, somebody who lived within walking distance of this tragedy, don't forget it. (laughs) Like, because obviously you're not. Uh, but, like, on the grander scale of things, people will forget. So I'm kind of glad that he put it in the movie so that no one will forget. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, my reaction to him and, like, segueing to that footage was to initially roll my eyes but then feel really sick. So I think that's, like, the intended effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's definitely the, in- the intended effect, I'd say. Especially as, like... The way, like, if everyone remembers the, uh, I say everyone, but this is like the thing, right? How many people remember the the immediate initial, like, uh, disgusting attempt to claim uh, this this woman's corpse from like awful liberal sources who aren't aren't actually opposing the KKK at all. Um, so I think that like this movie positioning like you to remember that this is how this person died and what they were protesting and not just oh a, a death of hate or whatever like people were definitely erasing uh the truth of her life um and i you know i don't necessarily think that you know, it, this isn't a movie about her so uh i wouldn't begrudge anyone for being like I exactly think this was an inappropriate thing to to put in here yeah but uh, as a direct do... line of oh sorry go on jackson sorry we were, we were going to agree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, blind spotting. Uh, I don't know. I'm reading like a little bit about this, and I don't know if this touches on the same things here. Like it's about police, but seems like it's in a much different light. Um, What's it about? It is about a paro- uh, parolee who witnesses a police shooting, and like I assume it's about whether or not he wants to like talk to people about that shooting and a breaking. Like I assume it would have broken his parole or whatever, and whether or not he should do that or not. Seems like it's going from a different thing. I feel like that's more about the carceral state than it is about, you know, the history of mm-hmm. racist violence in America. But maybe we'll watch it. Um, the other question: uh, This is the only Spike Lee movie I've seen, and I thought it was just okay. Is there a movie of his you recommend that might get me on board for his work? Do the right thing. Yes, that's the obvious answer. We even did it, an episode about this way back in the archives of this podcast when it was named something else. And it literally ends with real life names of people who have been killed by police for no reason. Yeah. In nineteen eighty nine. Like Do you have other Spike Lee movies you would recommend for someone, Destiny? Crooklyn. Yeah, Crooklyn's um, great. Shit. I'm having a brain fart. Uh just watch Spike Lee movies, please. Jackson, just watch Spike them. Lee movies you'd recommend. <laughs> Oh, should I? Do I need to reveal why I'm canceled now? Why are you uh, canceled, sweetie? Oh, you mean you mean that your favorite uh, Spike Lee yes. movie is the one about white people? Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, you still made it. Damn, like it matters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me being like, man, twenty fifth hour. That movie fucking moved me. It's just like, yeah, no. that was really good. I don't... shoot myself in the head. No, <laughs> he made it. It's still a black no, movie. I say... 
I say that knowingly. Like I it's, know. it's just a ridiculous thing to think. I hate to watch Respect Movies, but it is a fantastic film. I've never seen it all. I've only seen the beginning, but I uh Yeah, no, I, I really like his movies. He's somebody that there's nobody like him. Uh even his bad movies are worth watching because I like seeing his opinions and he's so he's so he's so unique <laughs> and there's nobody like him. Yes. So even his bad movies are kind of worth your time. Um when I was a teen I like I would like occasionally get movies from Blockbuster. This was before I was really into movies. Um so oh, I was like Malcolm a, X. Like 14, 14 at this time. Oh yes. <laughs> um I yes, yeah, so I was uh, I was watching movies and I, I think it was 2007 because I would have just watched uh No Country for Old Men which I hated because I was a teenager. I might not hate that on a rewatch, but um maybe I will. I, I only saw it the one time and I liked it, but it's been a minute. <laughs> Uh, I was 14. But then I watched uh, Inside Man, and that was the movie that like made me go, man, maybe movies are pretty good, which is a very funny <laughs> movie to do. It's, just, it's like, it's, I think it's its highest budget, like, big studio movie, right? Um, but Teen Me was like, oh, damn, maybe movies can be smart and good and fun. Uh, I'll run down my Spike Lee faves, yes. which is a much longer list, honestly. Um, I think she's got to have it. That's his first movie. I think it's really good, uh, generally. Uh, it's from 86, so it's got like some gender politics that probably don't really hold up, but I think it's an interesting and com- like sympathetic view of like gender relations in that time. Um, Malcolm X is incredible. You should read the autobiography autobiography of Mike Malcolm X also, but the movie is a perfectly good also um, you know a movie to watch. Uh, Crooklyn's great. Um, that one's like just nice and nostalgic. I mean, it's a sad movie, but it's good. It's very good. Yeah, well, it's just about growing up in the seventies, yeah. and it's his love letter to Brooklyn in the seventies, yeah. and uh, it's also just a really good movie about family. Yes. Uh, Get on the Bus is like my favorite Dark Horse Spike Lee movie. Yes. Um, it is from '96. It is about a bus full of men who are going to the Million Man March in Washington D.C. People don't know what just, that is. I, yeah, I had to uh, tell my coworkers what the Million Man March was. They all thought it happened in the '60s. Yeah, no, it is a, uh, it is a, it was a huge gathering in '95, um, <laughs> called I by Louis Farrakhan. What happened in the '60s? People, because because it's a march, and when you look it up on, when you Google it, some of the images that come up are black and white images of black yeah. people in Washington. So people tend to conflate it with the March on Jeez. Washington under Dr. King. And that so, in my lifetime. Yeah, I know, but you'd be like, it wasn't no, covered well yeah. in the media because Louis Farrakhan is a terrible person. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, anyway, it's it's about it's about these fifteen people and their stories and their walk, like how like broad the spectrum of like black experiences when these people are all going here for their various reasons. It's an incredibly good movie. Um, I I really like it. Um, did he do that movie about um? Huey Lewis or Huey Newton? Huey Newton. Yeah, we'll get there. Don't worry. Twenty uh, fifth hour is really good. Um, it twenty fifth hour is more about nine eleven than it is like race, but it's really good. I mean, it is about whiteness in a way that is like interesting and informed by you know Spike Lee being a black director making a movie about being white. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Inside Man is great. That's just a good movie. That's like his like big Hollywood movie. It's fun. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um. Black Klansman, I thought was pretty good, obviously. Uh, Documentary-wise, you absolutely have to watch, and I understand that if you don't want to, because it's difficult, you should watch When the Levees Broke, um, and If the God is Willing and the Creek Don't Rise, which are his two big 
epics about uh, Hurricane Katrina. Uh, when the Levees Broke is about the events leading up to and the, you know, Katrina and the fallout. If God is Willing and the Creek Don't Rise is about recovery of New Orleans and how badly that has been mangled. Um, mm-hmm. They're both very good. Um, and when the Levees, both of them are hard watches. So I understand if you're like, mm, I don't know, but you should do it. Um, and then, yeah, another like Dark Horse candidate is he directed uh, a Huey P. Newton story, which is a film adaptation of a one man stage show uh, by Roger Governor Smith uh, about him acting through activist Huey P. Newton's life. Um, and it's incredible. Um, it, that one is like also a fave. And for a while it was on YouTube, but I think if I bet if you Google around, you could just find it somewhere like on, you know, Vimeo or something. It's probably tucked away on a streaming server, like a, you know, video hosting service that no one's paying attention to. Um, but it's really good. It's Can't really good. It. If you can get it from your local library or something, because yes. it's, it's definitely a movie they should show in schools. And I don't know if they do mm-hmm. outside of probably like a not. college black studies class, you yeah. know, taught by a very militant professor, which if you're lucky to have one of those in your town, go for it. Yep. Excuse me. He should make a Huey Lewis movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's where my brain goes. I was raised wrong. <laughs> uh, we have an email from Alex here, uh, which has a couple thoughts, but real question, Shaft or Superfly? Uh, I'm not equipped to answer this question. I have to see some more movies first. Okay. I think I lean Shaft. I generally agree that glorifying pimps is a, a problematic thing that happened in a lot of these movies, but also they are like positioned as people like pimps and drug dealers are people in positions of power in these movies that are opposite the police. So I understand the appeal uh, because nobody fucking likes cops. Um, it's difficult, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, that line in Black Dynamite about, you know, selling drugs to your community <laughs> comes up. <laughs> Very good. That movie's really good. <laughs> yes. Uh, talking about, you know, it's uh, the, the part where Ron is such a cop and the team intelligence is all like the good cops is very thinking emoji. Uh, the bit where he uses his real name and everyone makes fun of him is very good. It is. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because he literally just tell, gives the clan his real actual ass name. <laughs> well, it comes back to bite him, too, because they yeah. find out where he lives. Yeah. Uh, the movie looking at the audience and saying there's no way someone would be stupid enough to elect someone like David Duke, right? Along with shots of Charlottesville, uh, felt really preachy for a movie that came out in 2018. We've discussed this. This is just guess, Spike Lee's yeah. way. I guess there are people <laughs> out there who don't say anything wrong, uh, but they're not going to get the message from Black Klansmen. I, you know, again, we discussed this, but I think it's interesting. Finally, it was so distracting to have that guy from that 70s show play David Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only person who was wrecked by that. For some it, reason, Topher Grace holds the same cultural cachet in my mind that everyone else has for Michael Sarah. He's just like a little nerdy, like, silly man. So seeing him play any role where he's like, to be taken seriously as menacing is very weird. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so we have some questions from Tron here. Uh, who's your favorite character in this movie? Patrice. And then I really liked uh, Flip. Yeah. I think I would go in that order also. Jackson? Yep. Uh, I would agree. Um, I, I'm like torn, right? Because while... And Patrice is like the obvious answer. I also think that she's like barely given enough, like be- because she is mostly used to say the true things, as then the movie follows everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Like, I don't know how much I like her character because I'm disappointed by how she's used. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not, like, in a positive light, but Felix, uh, the guy who plays him is Finnish and absolutely cannot do an American accent, but he manages to be really good and menacing anyway. Yeah, he's like, scary. it's a really good performance. Yeah. He's very scary. I also like the guy that played White Power Ron, whose like character name I can't actually remember. That guy was very creepy. Mm-hmm. And really, in terms of like, yes, in terms of like the clan stuff, I am like the the guy who was uh, like the stereotypical dumb guy uh, was pretty bad. That was like a bum note. But I did think that um, Felix's wife was like just fucking spot on. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I know that woman. Yeah, <laughs> I met her. Um, uh, another character who stands out not because of the character. Uh, but because they're just doing an impression of Jonah Hill in Wolf of Wall Street, is the guy selling the um uh, the butter the C four to them? <laughs> that guy is yes. fascinating to me because he's clearly not white. Like, yeah, I don't know what identity that man has in real life, but it was distracting to me how much if he were like a real guy interacting with the clan, I feel like they wouldn't trust him. He did not read as white to me. Let me find out who that is. I did look it up. That uh, no, that's not him. What was his name? Walker uh, Nicholas Turturro. Oh, is he related yes. to John Turturro? He is the younger brother. Of brother. John yes. <laughs> uh, so he's white, but he's not like traditionally white. <laughs> yeah, he is. You know, he is. He is, <laughs> well, he is he Italian. Would... The the politically charged version of white. <laughs> well, yeah, like you know, a certain period of American history, he would not be treated as a white yes. man. So I'm going to count that as a win. Yeah, there was just <laughs> something about him where I was like, I really like this actor, but they really miscast him. <laughs> he was just doing Jonah Hill and Wolf of Wall Street. It was distracting to me. That entire scene was like, I was like, what? What is happening here? Yeah, there's a lot of really great performances in this film. Say what you will about the film as a thing. Like, mm-hmm. Spike Lee knows how to fucking cast a movie. Yes. 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 Uh, there's double questions here. How do you feel about how the Black Power movement and the KKK were depicted in this movie? And I asked them together because I think it's interesting in the way that both of them feel like they're like very like nascent movements at the start of the movie. Like both of them are kind of like small groups of people who are just kind of figuring their shit out as like local chapters. And you see the like Black Student Union start to like, you know, they're bringing in guests, they're bringing in famous people to speak, and it's very like community outreach focused and like educational. Whereas the KKK people all like, because the police are entangled with them and like, it, like are nudging them along, arm themselves and become more radicalized and more prone to like violent demonstration. Like, yes. is there, if, if, uh, Ron Stallworth did not enter into this small KKK chapter, would they have ever had the, like, infighting that led to them doing violence, right? Like, I think that is an open question the movie sets on the table. Yeah, that's a really interesting, I re- I'm glad you wrote in. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to answer that, but. Yeah, I just think, like, you know. You, you look at the history of, uh, usually these days it is like the way in which the United States government infiltrated, you know, Islamic radicals and basically like entrapped them into doing things so they could arrest them and throw they them in the black box thing. prisons. Yeah. yeah. And they did the same uh, yeah. thing to the black yes. rights, like especially the um, Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, ugh, ugh. Um, I don't know. I thought the portrayal of the Black Student Union 
was really fascinating because there wasn't one perspective that they all shared. There was a mm-hmm. lot of infighting that the movie kind of hinted at. Uh, the thing I like is because Ron is our point of view character, I think it like gives the space for you to think like he definitely thinks that Patrice is like naive and it gives you the space if you are inclined to do so to like buy into that and then pops that bubble towards the end when like he admits who he is and she's like, no, fuck you. Like all of this is yeah. fake. Yeah, she's yes. that scene is one of the best scenes in the movie for me because it, Ron, well, one, Ron needs to hear it. And two, it's like very realistic, like. I don't know. Um, sorry, I had another thing to say, and I just completely lost it, and I'm very sorry. That's all right. I think one juxtaposition that's good and interesting is the way that, like, so you see uh, the the people, like, the way they, uh, like, react to, and um, I told the people that have come in to, like, talk at the, uh, like, uh, sh- the student what the, i forgot the actual term the black, the student, black union. student union black student union yes it was a student union uh I was like, no, no. no you're right anyway, yes, <laughs> the black student union uh people that talk there and the like the connection there whereas the way that um in the in the clan everyone is so fawning over david duke but in such a fucking corny like oh he talked to me or oh, maybe i can get in with him way like nobody yes. gives a fuck about each other yes. uh, it's all about like posturing and appearing to be the most loyal and the most whereas with the black student union like it comes out of this like genuine place of like well we got to arm ourselves we got to protect each other we got to look out for each other you really get a real sense of community as yes. opposed to the clan where it's like they don't even like each other no uh the thing that is worth pointing out good mostly because it's like a, a fun stylistic choice when kuwami Ture talks at the beginning of the movie during his speech there's like cutaways to like the faces of the audience enraptured like against the black background destiny was like who what is all these senior pictures doing in this movie <laughs> <laughs> it was very silly to, like, yes, and, and it's, it's just spike good. lee's beautiful yes. stylistic choices that like always make me smile like at the end with the Patrice and Ron holding their guns and they're yeah, where they're sliding. floating towards the window. Yes, yes, and I think that scene is from Crooklyn. There's a scene in Crooklyn like that, yeah, where someone's sick and they're floating around, and and he might have done it in a few of his other films. But I super love when he just gets really artsy. It makes me really happy. Um, one final question from Tron: Do y'all like black exploitation films? If yes, what is your favorite? Jackson, go first. I'm sure you have an answer. <laughs> I've barely seen it. I'm on the scene in all things. I am the unseen one here. I know. That's why we're well, getting you out of the way first. Honestly, let, let me admit, I've seen more parodies of black exploitation than I've seen actual black exploitation films. Like, the only black exploitation film I can earnestly say that I, I've, I've seen, like, Coffee and then the Blackula movies. Like, I'm woefully underwatched in those. And I liked them both because, well, one, I love a cheap, schlocky film. I love a violent film. I I think a low budget film is more important and interesting than a boring big budget film. And uh the that genre embodies everything I like about film in general even if I'm not too familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think Coffee and Blackula are good for very similar reasons that they are these low budget things that have something to say and then they've got that confusing sheen of being produced by white people who want to make a black dollar uh, but also are these like touchstones for the black community like in a way that you know a a, a capitalist white supremacist society has to create 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they're they're an interesting relic for me, and I I think they're very important in that way. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, I would also, uh, I'm, I've, uh, seen a decent amount. I wouldn't say I'm like well-versed or anything. Uh, Coffee and Foxy Brown are probably like among my favorites. Uh, Blackula is very fun. Uh, Ganjin Hess counts. Ganjin Hess is really good. Ganjin Hess is amazing and it's very hard to follow, but I think everyone should try to watch it twice. Yes. Because it's, a, um, it's an experience. It's weird because like I barely think of it as like exploitation in the same way because it's just a it's just a it's just a good movie like it's, it's just doing it it's, it's a very arty movie yeah, yeah it just happens to come out in the seventies and be about black people so I don't think it's a black exploitation film I don't think there's mm-hmm. anything exploitative because it's an independent film too it's like it's it's a black director it's not a white person coming in do you in. think that's like required for it to be only because it doesn't. I don't know. I don't think it puts blackness in the same because, like, sweet lens. sweetback is like a classic, right? Uh, yeah, you've got a good point. I don't know. I I guess I just don't lump that in with those movies just because I feel like it's the perspective it's coming from is so mm-hmm. different. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then the circumstances under which it was produced are also very different. But I, yes. then again, this is me guessing and assuming a lot as well. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, Jackie Brown. You should watch Jackie Brown. It's uh, good. It's fucking Jackie good. Jackie Brown is so good. It's like painful to me because Tarantino is somebody that I used to just worship. And like the older I get, the less I like him. Yes. Uh, and he's got that perfect movie under his belt. And he'll always kind of be special to me for that. That movie, that's a gift. <laughs> oh, also, you should watch Putney Swope. Putney Swope's fucking yes. good. Putney Swope is We might brilliant. do Putney Swope for this. I don't. Did we do it for Reptories or like Trash Reptories show at some point? I don't no, think we did. We've never done that. We I've have that. to. Okay. Yeah. We have we'll definitely to. do that at some point. That's a good fucking movie. Um, it's Robert Downey Sr. of all people. Yes. Uh, every Robert Downey Sr. movie I've seen is good. So I don't know. That's uh, That makes sense to me. Well, I just mean like to make this movie that says interesting things about blackness from a guy who might not have actually cared about it. Yes, for I sure. can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to read about him, but I just can't mm-hmm. tell. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I think not next movie, but movie after that, we're going to be doing like a classic black exploitation film. So please look forward to that. Um, I, 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 you know, we'll announce which one later because I'm kind of going between a couple things. But celebrate Black History Month with your friends. Yeah, at repertory screenings through March. In March. Yeah, through March. <laughs> hey, it's a it's a short month. We wanted to give an extra month in honor of <laughs> the fact that this is a genre that undersells Black people and and like a lot of the great Black firsts in film didn't happen until the fucking 1990s. So yeah, we're going in through March. Yeah. Yep. As the sole black member of this podcast, I would love. I could go all March. Shit. <laughs> I mean, uh, we will be going through all March because the next podcast will be out on like the first or second or something, and oh, then the next perfect. one will be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and we'll always be. Tra- you know, we're always going. Yeah, we do to, all right. I mean, yeah. I, it's not uh, just because it's February. It's like literally something we actively work to do as podcasters is to pick yes, a diverse. But also, array. I I like uh, seeing people like very performatively who don't normally cover black stuff do black stuff in February. Uh, we see you. It's very obvious, and I was like, we have to do a Black History <laughs> Month just because we keep. I mean, we do black films all the time, but it's funny that we're doing a specific Black History Month yeah. uh, set. 
Um, it's good. Yeah, I feel like one thing we've done well this podcast, that's a toot our own horn, I guess, is to have picked good movies. Just you know, yeah, I, I think like we've done I think widely. we don't do enough international cinema, and mm-hmm. I mean, we're also, not Japan do, and France. Yes, we, but we are new. Like we're still kind of a baby podcast yes. in that regard. Like, yes. so we've got plenty of time to get where we want. Yeah, yeah, but it's really easy when it's the time to do a non-English film. Oh, look, it's Japan again. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, France is here. Whole <laughs> yeah. Sorry that uh, France and Japan got all the play and the love of the festival circuit, so those are the easiest movies to get. <laughs> it's also it's also partially a problem because those are the two national like film histories that most emulate Hollywood. Yep. Uh, yes. So you know, but we're gonna do better and bigger and. Uh, we always endeavor to do better and bigger. Yeah, that's always yeah, the no. goal. That's kind of what um, I'm saying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Proud of our selections, hoping they'll always be better. Yeah, yeah. I, sometimes I want to revisit movies that we've done on the older iterations of this podcast, just because I'm a different person now. <laughs> we could definitely do that. I hadn't really thought about it, but I'm not opposed to it necessarily. Are we sure we didn't do Putney Swope? Jackson's never seen it, so yes, we have not I've done never Putney seen Putney Swope. Swope. Oh my god, okay. You did talk about it a lot. But then, like, um, yeah, yeah. We just never did it. Okay. You've seen Boogie Nights, right, Jackson? Yeah. Okay, good, because you'll be like, oh, wow, they just stole this entire scene out of Putney Swope. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably have forgotten the Boogie Nights scene. No, I guarantee you have not forgotten the Boogie Nights scene. Yeah, you'll know it immediately, I promise. (laughs) Okay. It's, like, one of the best scenes in Boogie Nights, too. Like, I think about it every day. Oh man, the they one, should make a boogie nights too. The one too. where he walks into the he walks into the like uh, shop and everyone else gets shot. No, no. Okay, it's, it's one not him the... going the highest possible fidelity either. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't think it was that one. Yeah, no, it's, it has nothing to do with the actual black character in Boogie Nights. Oh, I didn't, that wasn't even the connection. I, I, I know think it, of that that's scene the connection I made because I'm black. I think honestly. <laughs> I just got very self-conscious going, oh, God, was I doing that? No, <laughs> no, that's me doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, thanks, everyone, for your emails. Again, podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, next week, we are doing The Watermelon Woman, which is a 1996 romantic comedy drama by Cheryl uh, Dunier. I, I think that's how you say Dunier. That? Okay. Um, if you are in America, you can find this uh, streaming on Prime Video, Canopy, Epics. Those are the ones. DirecTV, I guess. No one has DirecTV. Did you Fuck read the here. synopsis? Because it's the most 90s independent film. Yes. It's- I read it and I was like, I cannot. You know what? It's the most Destiny choice possible. Uh, I'm excited for it. But also, <laughs> well, I did roll my eyes a little bit. It, it was makes good. me in a good laugh. Because it's literally about an aspiring filmmaker who works in a video store. But it's also so it's it's made by a person who literally did that, and it was in the '90s. And it's so lesbianic. Guinevere Turner is in it. Who, if you know anything about like the queer new wave of American '90s films, it's like, oh, of course she's in this. Yeah, it's very funny to me. Um, Jackson, where can people find this in the UK? Uh, they they can't. It's for rent on YouTube and Google Play. That's it. It is not anything else. Uh, so you should probably go find it on the internet unless you want to pay for it on YouTube. It's only like two fifty, so you know. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta pay three dollars for a thing, and it's okay. 
<laughs> wow. I, I paid three dollars for a movie a little while ago. What movie was it that we I was gonna watch and then it wasn't oh when we watched Creep Show, they had taken it off because we it was streaming before October, and then October they took it off streaming because that's how they fucking get you. <laughs> oh, that's right. We did have to pay for Creep Show, even though I own a shitty DVD somewhere in storage, but yeah. yeah. Um, Taking it off for October is so mean. If you yep. need $3, I will give you $3. As long as not too many of your requests that I buy you uh, a movie. <laughs> I feel like most people know how to find a movie if you need to find a movie. Anyway, that's it. Destiny plugs. At Fridge Buzz now, pretty much everywhere. Jackson plugs. At Head Falls Off, you can find a whole bunch of podcasts that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. Ah, there's a, they're good. They're good podcasts. <laughs> That's it. No, sh- no specific uh, shout out this time. I mean, we've uh, which one? I mean, I'm not mapping last month was really good. Uh, we've got a new one coming out soon uh, on Time Spinner. Uh, we're gonna have a guest. It's gonna be good. Yeah. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, you can go to patreon.com slash abnormal mapping. Uh, for $1 a month, you get me and Jackson doing the Great Gun on Project every Wednesday. Uh, we're off this week, but, you know, we're, we're back every mo- every Wednesday, but like two a year. Uh, and we're watching G Gundam and Ghost Shell Standalone Complex if you want our other thoughts on policing. Um, <laughs> it's been a real cop season for us uh, lately. Um, but if you support at other levels, you'll get writing and, you know, a bonus podcast, VoIP Life. We did a movie episode a couple weeks ago that I still think is really good. Uh, we did a Star Trek episode. If you're desperate for me and Jax to talk about Star Trek, we did for like an hour and a half. Um, but that's it, I think. Uh, so until next time, watch the movies. Thanks, back to like them.